Hello and welcome back to The Adventures of Lola Badiola. In the last episode, Park was shocked to discover that Kim had disappeared. In this episode, we're going to find out how he copes without his best friend. Here we go. The Adventures of Lola Badiola, Chapter 34 Health Check Park spent most of the morning speculating about the disappearance of Kim. It was Tuesday the 8th of February, two days before the intended escape. One possible scenario was that the conditions were perfect and they had expedited the plan. Another scenario was that Kim hadn't revealed the whole truth to Park in order to protect him. He hoped and prayed that one of these scenarios was real, but deep down he was very worried. Park's priority was now his own safety. He needed to act normally and distract his mind from the events surrounding Kim. He forced himself to concentrate on his current projects. He had made good progress in his attempt to re-enter the systems of Texpania. He had found a vulnerability in the software that controlled the supply of electricity to the headquarters. Every large company and government institution in the world had a backup supply of electricity in the event of a systemic failure of the electrical grid. They needed to be prepared for what was called a black sky event, a terrorist attack, a meteor shower, or nuclear war that rendered the electrical grid inoperable. It was unthinkable for a bank, airline, or data center to be without power under any circumstances. Therefore, companies such as Texpania had two lines of defense. The first was known as an Uninterrupted Power Supply, or UPS. This was a system of powerful batteries that guaranteed the uninterrupted flow of electricity to essential parts of the company for a temporary period. The second was the Automatic Transfer Switch, or ATS, that controlled a series of backup generators, normally diesel-fueled, that provided electricity for an indefinite period or until the grid was once again functioning. Park had hacked into the software that controlled the UPS and ATS at the headquarters of Texpania. He was able to fool these machines into believing that there had been a black sky event. He could, therefore, turn on both the batteries and the diesel generators while the grid was still supplying power to the headquarters. This would overload the internal electrical system and cause all the machines connected to the grid to blow their fuses. This would leave the company naked, vulnerable to further cyber attacks. It was a little like disarming the force field of the Death Star before the rebels struck. Park had yet to carry out his plan, but he was optimistic about the prospects for success. He was deep in thought when Kang appeared in the distance, pushing his aluminium trolley full of papers towards him. Park needed to behave as if he knew nothing about Kim's plans, as if he had never been an intimate friend of Kim. The supervisor arrived at Park's desk and went through the usual routine. Have you observed any anomalies? No, sir. Have you crashed any systems? No, sir. Have you concluded any infiltrations? No, sir. Kang moved on to the next cubicle without any acknowledgement. Park knew that he had to bring up the issue of Kim's disappearance. It would appear unusual or even suspicious if he didn't question the whereabouts of his colleague and friend. He cleared his throat. When will Kim be back? 
Kang stopped and slowly turned around. What? When will Kim be back? I need his assistance today. Kang reversed the trolley to Park's desk. He took a chair from another workstation and placed it right next to Park's. Then he sat down and stared into Park's eyes. Kim won't be back today. Oh, Kim won't be back for the rest of his life. Kang continued to stare at Park as if he were searching for the thoughts behind the facade. Park's amygdala, the most ancient part of his brain, started sending signals to his adrenal glands to release cortisol into the bloodstream. This triggered an automatic fight-or-flight response throughout his body. He had to use all his powers of self-control to appear unemotional, even though his heart was pounding and his head was throbbing. I will need a new assistant then, he said in a monotone voice. Yes, I suppose you will, replied Kang. The functionary stood up and straightened his jacket and tie. He took hold of his trolley and slowly pushed it down the hallway. Then he turned back to Park and said, By the way, you have a health check tomorrow at 9am. Go straight to the medical centre before you start work. And with that, he walked away. Park slumped in his chair. The veins on the side of his head were throbbing. Sweat ran freely from under his arms. As his supervisor disappeared into the distance, he summed up the situation in his head. Firstly, his dear friend Kim was now in a concentration camp. Secondly, he wasn't going to receive a health check at 9am the next morning. He was going to receive an interrogation. Hmm, life is starting to become very stressful for Park J. Bong. I wonder what's going to happen at the health check tomorrow morning. Well, before we discover that, let's go through the main learning points of this episode. We're going to start with some interesting and relevant advanced vocabulary. Have a listen to this again. It was Tuesday the 8th of February, two days before the intended escape. One possible scenario was that the conditions were perfect and they had expedited the plan. Expedited. This is a very cool business word. You'll hear dynamic native English-speaking managers use it all the time. It means to accelerate, to speed up, particularly when referring to an important process so that this process reaches a speedy conclusion. So, for example, you might expedite the hiring process so you have the right people in your team as soon as possible. You might expedite the new product development so that you can launch the product before your competitors do. And in the case of our story, Park suspects that Kim has expedited his plan to defect from North Korea. In other words, accelerated his plans and disappeared a couple of days earlier than expected. Okay, let's listen to another word that is often used by dynamic managers. Here it is. Another scenario was that Kim hadn't revealed the whole truth to Park in order to protect him. 
In the business world, we use the word scenario in the decision-making process when we are considering certain possible alternative outcomes. Now, you might have heard the expression best-case scenario and worst-case scenario. So often when a management team is contemplating an investment or an acquisition, they will consider the best possible outcome. This is known as the best-case scenario. And of course, they'll also consider the worst possible outcome, which is a worst-case scenario. And that will help them decide on whether or not to proceed with this investment or proceed with this acquisition. Okay, let's consider some pronunciation for a moment. Have a listen to this sentence again. Park's priority was now his own safety. He needed to act normally and distract his mind from the events surrounding Kim. He forced himself to concentrate on his current projects. Priority is a word that is often mispronounced. And it's a very common word in business English. You'll hear it in a lot of management meetings. What's our priority for Q4? What is our priority for next year? Make sure that you pronounce that first I vowel correctly. Priority, not priority. Just like we say Wi-Fi, not Wi-Fi. And bilingual, not bilingual. Let's move on to another vowel sound that is often mispronounced. Have a listen to this sentence again. He had made good progress in his attempt to re-enter the systems of Texpania. He had found a vulnerability in the software that controlled the supply of electricity to the headquarters. Okay, if you want to speak with standard, non-regional British English pronunciation, then you would pronounce the word vulnerability with a short U sound at the beginning. Be careful not to pronounce it vulnerability. Now, this is not a question of right or wrong, correct or incorrect, because there are plenty of places in the UK and elsewhere in the world where they would pronounce this word vulnerability. But if you're looking for a more standard pronunciation, then it's a short vowel sound at the beginning, vulnerability. And it's exactly the same with multinational, not multinational. In fact, any word that begins with multi should be pronounced with a short vowel sound if you're following these rules. Other words include publicity, not publicity, and republican, not republican. Okay, let's move on from pronunciation and let's talk about the part of the story that describes Park's plan to hack one of his targets. We go into quite a lot of detail as to what he intends to do with Texpania. So let's go through this idea on a step-by-step -step basis so you fully understand not only the vocabulary and the grammar, but also the idea behind what Park is trying to do. Have a listen to this again. Every large company and government institution in the world 
had a backup supply of electricity in the event of a systemic failure of the electrical grid. They needed to be prepared for what was called a black sky event. The electrical grid is a complex machine and it supports all of our life-sustaining critical infrastructure. In a black sky event, something catastrophic happens to the grid and electrical power is lost across the entire country for a significant amount of time. This would of course negatively impact the distribution of food, water, sanitation and medical care across the whole country and it could very quickly lead to social unrest. So the electrical grid is considered critical infrastructure in any developed country and is very well protected. I used to work as an English teacher at Red Electrica, the company in charge of the electrical transmission systems across Spain. And I remember that the central control room was built into the side of a hill and it was heavily guarded and neither me nor any of the other teachers were allowed anywhere near to it. Now we've all suffered from power cuts from time to time. The lights may go out, if only momentarily, for a localized disruption of the electrical grid. And for my kids, this is extremely exciting, particularly if it happens at night time when all the candles come out and we tell each other ghost stories. So it's a bit of fun for a family if it's just for a short amount of time. It's not so much fun if it's for a large company or a government institution for a long period of time. So have a listen to this sentence again. Here we go. It was unthinkable for a bank, airline or data centre to be without power under any circumstances. Therefore, companies such as Texpania had two lines of defence. The first was known as an uninterrupted power supply, or UPS. OK, so if the electrical grid does suffer catastrophic failure, then these companies and many others need a backup. And in most cases, the backup has to operate immediately. They cannot be even a second without electrical power. And this immediate and instantaneous backup comes in the form of an uninterrupted power supply, or UPS. Electricity is supplied by large batteries that have a small but sufficient amount of power and these batteries allow enough time for a secondary, much more substantial system to start up and provide a continuous supply of electrical power over the medium and long term. Have a listen to this again. The second was the automatic transfer switch, or ATS, that controlled a series of backup generators, normally diesel-fueled, that provided electricity for an indefinite period or until the grid was once again functioning. So, in summary, if you work at a big company with a lot of very important data or real-time responsibilities, then the following will happen if there is a black sky event. The electricity grid fails. 
your uninterrupted power supply, or UPS, switches on automatically to maintain power for a short period of time. Then, your automatic transfer switch, or ATS, turns on a series of independent generators to maintain power for a longer period. The grid is eventually fixed, and the company once again gets its electricity from the external network. And then the UPS and the ATS systems are disabled and renovated in preparation for any future black sky event. So that's how it works. And now we understand the electrical supply systems to large companies like Techspania. What exactly is Park's plan? What does he intend to do? Have a listen to this again. Park had hacked into the software that controlled the UPS and ATS at the headquarters of Techspania. He was able to fool these machines into believing that there had been a black sky event. He could, therefore, turn on both the batteries and the diesel generators while the grid was still supplying power to the headquarters. This would overload the internal electrical system and cause all the machines connected to the grid to blow their fuses. So Park has hacked into the UPS and ATS systems of Texpania. And what he's going to do is switch both of them on while the company is still receiving electricity from the grid. And therefore, he's going to overload the system he's going to force too much electrical current through Texpania's electrical systems and blow the fuses of all the electrical machines that are functioning. A fuse is a safety device that operates to provide protection to an electrical circuit. You may have seen one. It's a little metal wire and it melts when there's too much current flowing through it, thereby stopping or interrupting the electrical flow. When this happens, it is known as blowing a fuse. For example, if you have too many electrical items plugged into one of your sockets in your house, you may blow a fuse, cutting off all electricity to those devices. Okay, so given all this, what would happen next at Techspania? Have a listen to this sentence. This would leave the company naked, vulnerable to further cyber attacks. It was a little like disarming the force field of the Death Star before the rebels struck. If you've watched any of the Star Wars films, then you'll know exactly what this metaphor means. The Death Star was a huge space station armed with a planet-destroying superlaser. Now, in the original 1997 film Star Wars, Luke Skywalker is able to evade the force field of the Death Star, gain access to a specific vulnerability, and ultimately destroy it. Well, that is exactly what Park intends to do at Texpania. Okay, I hope I'm not boring you with too much technical information here. To be honest, 
I'm not an expert in this area myself. And uh, I had to do quite a lot of research when I was writing this particular chapter. But it, it is important to understand what's happening because it's very relevant for later on in our story. Okay, let's leave that there for the time being. And let's move on to something completely different. We have one final expression to discuss today. Have a listen to this sentence again. Park's amygdala, the most ancient part of his brain, started sending signals to his adrenal glands to release cortisol into the bloodstream. This triggered an automatic fight or flight response throughout his body. He had to use all his powers of self-control to appear unemotional, even though his heart was pounding and his head was throbbing. Fight or flight response. What is it? And how do you control it? Well, whenever you're nervous, anxious, or fearful, the base of your brain sends signals to your adrenal glands to secrete the hormones cortisol and adrenaline. These are the fight or flight hormones. And they're very useful if you're running away from a tiger or you're battling a tribal enemy. In fact, these fight-or-flight hormones helped our ancestors survive in the jungle. They're actually the reason we are here, because our ancestors have been so successful at surviving through generation after generation. But they are not always helpful in modern life. In fact, they can cause us serious problems in the business world. For example, a lot of people suffer a fear of public speaking. And as a result, they experience this flow of adrenaline, this flow of cortisol, the fight or flight sensation through their body. And this causes their legs to shake, their heart to pound, their voice to crack, amongst many other things. And this normally happens as they're just about to get up on stage and make their presentation or their speech in front of a very important audience. Has that ever happened to you? Are you familiar with these sensations and these feelings? Well, how do you control these sensations? How do you maintain your calm when your whole body is in a state of panic. Well, there are a couple of techniques that we recommend in our public speaking workshops. And you can split them into the physical and the philosophical. The physical techniques include deep breathing exercises, in through the nose, out through the mouth. They include meditation, mindfulness, and stretching exercises. And then you have the deeper, more philosophical techniques that involve visualization, acceptance, and humility. Now, if you are someone who suffers from public speaking anxiety or public speaking terror, you are not alone. 
In fact, you are part of the majority. And there is hope for you. You can study these practical and philosophical techniques and over time become a much calmer and more confident communicator. And on that note, we come to the end of today's session. If you'd like to have classes with Marina and me on a more formal basis, please sign up to Club Grattan. Just search Google and you'll find us. And we hope that you can join us for the next podcast. Until then, keep bringing English into your life. And remember, the next time you stand up to make a speech, breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth, and accept who you are and how you feel.